Raw living is a state of mind, a way of being in alignment with your body. Raw living means you put yourself and your body first. Your host, Gita Sadu Rob, is the founder of Nosh Detox, located in the UK. They offer innovative raw food smoothies sold across Europe. You experience it in your skin, your body, and your mind. And now it's time for Living Raw Radio. Welcome to Living Raw Radio, and this is your host, Gita Sidhu Rob. And it is absolutely, I'm always being teased because what I say is I've got the most interesting guests, but do you know? I really do get the most interesting guests. And I found myself at um, a women's business event and in the audience, I, I was sitting there in the audience and speaking was somebody that I deeply admired and I found really, really inspiring for such a long time because she has set up the most, she, she's an innovator, she's a business leader, she's a mother. She has just done all of these things while looking deeply effortlessly elegant, I have to say, which I actually, who never managed to get even my nails done, really, really admire. So the person I'm talking about is, of course, Liz Earl. Liz, welcome and thank you for joining me. Thank you very much. Well, I'm, very, I'm very grateful to your build up and um, it's a good job it's radio because I'm I'm on my farm and I'm not looking deeply elegant. I don't have any <laughs> <laughs> this is why we haven't got the cameras on, so it's all really good because I'm definitely not looking deeply elegant. <laughs> but radio is the medium that allows us to do that. Liz, you're just, I, I mean, you have done so much, I'm not even sure where to start. I mean, one of the reasons that everybody always remembers you in the beginning is always the hot, uh, uh, it's the hot cloth and polish, isn't it? Did That's I say that wrong? Absolutely, turns and polish. I mean, it, it was the first beauty product I ever created, and it's kind of like my sixth child. I have five children, and turns and polish is kind of right in there as, as as an additional one. But I think what's interesting is that there was life before turns and polish, and I've been working in the beauty and well-being space for over thirty years now. And actually, I had already been doing lots of television and broadcasting and writing books about health and beauty and well-being for at least 10 years before the beauty company came along. So, it's, you know, in a way I feel sometimes that the skincare defines me, but there was life before that too, and life it after. Is, yeah, it is true, actually. It's always that it, overnight success has always been a good 10 to 15 years of a slog <laughs> before that. The overnight <laughs> success takes at least a decade, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, it really, really does take quite a long time. And I find it so interesting when I was sitting listening to you that I had no idea until I came to hear you speak that day that you had done all this work and you actually had a public profile before you had established yourself as an authority within the space. And that in itself also led you to knowing that there was a gap in the market, wasn't it? Absolutely. I think you to be a brand founder, a successful brand founder, you really know, need to know your subject very deeply. And there are no shortcuts. And I, from my very early 20s, worked in women's magazines and I was researching and writing. And this is before Google. You know, this is even before the internet. This is really back in, in, in dark ages. And so I cut my teeth in journalism by going and sitting in the British Library looking at research papers, actually going out and talking to academics, 
and researchers and medics, rather than just doing a quick online search for something, which in my experience can lead you down the wrong path very quickly. It's really important to go back to the researchers and the people who do these studies, because so often you'll talk to a researcher and they'll say, yeah, I know that's what was reported, but that hasn't, actually wasn't what we found. That wasn't actually what the study was all about. Yeah. So for me, it's a very good discipline to, to have that and not just do, you know, online, which is, you know, so much of our lives these days. No, and it's true. It's, it's, it's that thing that I find as well. And I'm, I guarantee because of your level of prominence that this has happened to you, but I find that I will say 10 things and one of them will be picked up. And it's inevitably the one thing that you thought, why, why would you even take that out of context? Why would you say that thing? And so it is very true for us to remember, in fact, that other people, it happens to them too. So when you're reading something, you want to do well, a lot more behind it than just picking the thing at face value. Absolutely. It's a really good lesson, you know, particularly with tabloid newspapers. Everybody is after a bit of clickbait on their website these days with a sensational headline. And you know you can be outraged very easily by what you see in, in reported in a news story. And actually, when you go and talk to the person involved, you know, nine times out of ten, they'll say, "I absolutely did not say that," or it was totally misinterpreted. So, which is actually partly why I went back into publishing a few years ago, you know, to publish my own website, my own online content, because nobody can mess about with it then. You know, I can control it, which is, is very satisfying. I like that. That's, well, that's very similar to actually be having your own audio out there as well, because you can have a conversation and it's very hard to, to say, you know, what you didn't say because you know what you did say. It's recorded and it's kept somewhere for posterity. So that's also a positive step. But I like that. That's a sense of control over it. So, but you've written, how many books have you written in total? Um, it's about 35, um, but wow. a, lot of them are, well, no, a lot of them are very small. So um, back in the kind of late 80s, early 90s, I did a whole series called Quick Guides, Lizelle's Quick Guide to, it was all sorts of things, um, you know, dry skin and eczema, for example, because that's a, a particular passion of mine, having got eczema myself, my children have it, so I've done a lot of research around that. Or some of the new things that were appearing back in, in those days, things like antioxidants, beginning to talk about juicing in the early days. So a lot of my early books um, were very slender volumes. You're not like the, the, the later books that I've, I've gone on and done. I've probably only done maybe six or eight you know, substantial books. Um, but they're very broad. So it, it's all the areas of well-being that I love writing about. For me, beauty is always this two-way thing. It's important, of course, what we put on our skin, but it's even more important what we go, what goes inside, because we make our own skin cells from within. So feeding our, our bodies with the right ingredients for stronger, clearer skin is you know, one of the best ways to, to, to stay strong and radiant and glowing. And then the, the beauty stuff is kind of the icing on the cake that follows afterwards. Well, and also I think it would, it, if, we, if we took the approach, and I mean, I'm obviously a huge proponent of this because I use food and juices and vitamin drips and everything to, to manage how I feel and look and perform. But I'm always shocked by the fact that people's first step solution will be to either go under the knife or to use fillers or peels or really quite drastic things, which I find terrifying. And I'm, I'm, I'm a big believer in going kind of backwards towards my juice and running away from that peel that, that just is terrifying me. They're, they're quite violent products. 
Well, I think there's so much that we can do from within. Um, I've written quite a lot over the last 12 months or so about gut health. And it, that was really fascinating, the link between our lower intestines and our digestive system and our gut and how our skin behaves. And whether you're looking at any process of inflammation from, say, rosacea, eczema, psoriasis, through to the very basic mechanics of skin aging, so much of it comes down to how our microbiome is behaving and the levels of different bacteria in our gut. And I genuinely think that in over the last 12 to 18 months, since focusing on my gut health, my skin has become noticeably clearer and younger looking. Yeah, I'm holding, in fact, um, your most recent book, The Good Gut Guide, um, in my hand. And it's a six-week plan for inner health and outer beauty. So was this, is this the collection of, that, of everything that you've basically learned during that process? Absolutely. When I started my Lizelle Wellbeing website, you know, I wanted to go back and revisit a lot of the early researchers who I had spoken to you know, pre-beauty company days. And they were all working in dermatology and areas of mental health, because obviously that's a key area for the well-being, um, oncology, all sorts of different um, medical departments. And over a few months, it, the common thread that came out through so many of these medics, whether they were talking about arthritis or Alzheimer's or you know, so many different varied uh, disorders, they were all focusing on gut health. You know, it was kind of like all roads leading to Rome here. And I began to be aware of various big medicinal product projects that are going on. You've got the King's Project, for example, um, a lot of researchers, big money being put in. There's the British Gut Project, there's the American Gut Project, and there are multi-million pound research projects. And I know through my own work with food that fermented foods and cultured foods, like you know, whether it's something simple like plain live yogurt or kefir or the fermented foods like kombucha and kimchi, when I eat those and I give them to my family, you know, life improves, life looks up, everybody feels better, we, we look healthier, we have more energy. And I really wanted to try and get that into a very simple book, because I think there are a lot of medical books out there. There are some brilliant books, you know, there are some brilliant doctors who've written particularly about mental health and the gut, or who've written about obesity and the gut. So they take one it's the brain of the stomach. It's the brain of the body, isn't it? The gut. Yeah, they call it the second brain because it's linked through the biggest nerve in the body, which is the vagus nerve, which directly links the um, intestines with the brain. And previously we thought that neurotransmitters were really only found in the brain, but now we know they're also found in the gut. And there is this two-way dialogue, which is why we have expressions like gut instinct and gut reaction, and you know why your stomach can turn over when you think about something, when you have a shock, or there's some kind of emotional impact. It's because those neurotransmitters are talking emotionally to the brain. That's amazing. I, I always remember my son when he was little saying he had a headache in his tummy. Oh, yeah. Well, very interesting. A lot of child health and child issues, there's really controversial, interesting studies looking at things like autism and digestive health. And it's some really fascinating research going on there. So I think this is the tip of the iceberg. And what I love about gut health is that it, you don't really have to give anything up. You know, it's all about adding stuff in. I'm, yeah. I'm not personally very good at giving things up. You know, I, I like food. I like living well. And being too restrictive has never really appealed to me. So this is all about eating more variety, 
getting more of those beneficial bacteria, whether it's through fermented foods or cultured foods, into the diet. And I just wanted to make it really easy with you know, that family-friendly recipes and things that would inspire. Um, and you can do a gut cleanse. You know, you can take bentonite clay and you can and have some of the, the interesting herbs that will combat parasites, oregon and oil, you know, all those kind of things. So I, I touched on that as well. So, you know, you can take it to the more extreme level or you can simply have it as, you know, how to make yogurt and a bit of sauerkraut and, uh, and enjoy more beneficial bacteria in your body. I remember when I started NOSH in 2008. Um, in 2009, we had a woman who came in with um, candida. And she had literally mm. had candida for seven years and nothing mm. ever worked. And we had a, an anti-candida um, program where we made food without sugar and we had little candida books that went with it. And um, we used to have in there um, oregano uh, teas. And um, mm. you, just said, you just said something there and it reminded me because everything that you just said we had in this box that we used yeah. to deliver to people and get them to drink the teas and it had bentonite clay to clean the, the, the gut and it had um, sauerkraut that we wanted them to eat to, you know, get the gut working okay. again. So it's, it, and it did actually cure her candida. She, she, for the first time in sort of just over seven and a half years, she didn't have uh, parasites anymore in her gut and, and she didn't have candida. And it was a really incredible reaction to, to but I've never really, um, and I sort of didn't quite put that together with the mental health thing because I always used to think it was leaky gut that caused problems. I know with my son, he had asthma and eczema and we had to manage it. Absolutely. It, it all manifests itself in the same area of the body and it all basically comes down to your gut being out of balance, your gut microflora. So we have this microbiome, which is just a, a word for a colony, a collection of the beneficial bacteria and yeast and fungi that we had going on inside the body. And over the years, over the decades, the hundreds of years even, it's become out of balance. You know, we're living with a very different microbiome to those of our grandparents, for example. Um, and when you combine that with the overuse of antibiotics, which is also killing off so many of our beneficial gut bacteria. And, you know, it's ironic that if you have something like a urinary tract infection, you know, you will be given antibiotics to get rid of it. And yeah. actually, what you, chances are you're more likely to need probiotics to counter the E. coli and all the other, you know, bad bugs that are proliferating and getting out of control. And um, But of course, the more antibiotics you have, the more disruption there is ongoing with your microbiome and your, and your good bacteria that also get knocked out at the same time. And we're very bad in the UK on this because I know your listeners listen around the world and there'll be some countries where if you're prescribed antibiotics, your doctor will automatically give you probiotics alongside it because yeah. they know that we need the probiotics. It's no good just wiping out all the bugs. You know, we need to repopulate. Um, and you know, even I, you know, last year, I was so kind of ignorant of this uh, and I had to take antibiotics something because I had quite a bad infection that wouldn't clear. And um, so reluctantly, but you know, thankfully, because we do have this last resort form of medicine, I took antibiotics. And I said to the pharmacist, and I'm really upset about this because I've really been working hard at building up my microbiome and my good bacteria. And he said, well, it's fine. You can take probiotics at the same time. You know, they're, they're not going to work against each other. They're going to work together. 
And I thought, gosh, you know, what a simple message that every time, if you do have to recourse to antibiotics, of course, you should be saying, fine, you know, that's great. Thank you for those if I need them. Um, but I also need to take probiotics. And then after that, then really step up your fermented foods and your cultured foods to make sure that there's no reoccurrence and that your gut bacteria is really super strong. And did you find that you had a hard time um, getting your children on board with this, or were they okay? My children are reasonably good eaters, so they love things like yogurt, for example. So we, we make our own yogurt. It's so incredibly easy and inexpensive. And I know. I grew up with homemade yogurt, and I find it <laughs> yeah, shocking exactly. that we have to buy it. I know, and also for me, there's all that throwaway plastic pots, you know, every time you buy a simple little pot of yogurt, you know, it takes 30 seconds to eat, and then you've got this plastic pot that will probably be in the ground for 3,000 years after it's been yeah. buried, you know, or, or polluting the ocean. So I really am a great believer in making your own as much as you can with, with yogurt and things like uh, kefir, which is like a super yogurt, so it's, it's full of beneficial bacteria. Um, and so I started off by just kind of building the children into it gradually by um, adding a little bit more yogurt into smoothies. Um, you know, if we're having apple crumble at home, then I'll serve it with yogurt instead of cream. I'll make kefir and yogurt into ice cream. Um, and then just, it's, it's often a small amount. You know, you don't need to eat a huge amount of sauerkraut, which is the, the fermented pickled cabbage, you know, a tiny bit on the side of your plate, you know, even one teaspoon is better yeah. than none if you're introducing these new varieties. And it's all about diversity. It's all about having hundreds of different varieties of, of bugs. And the more variety you can eat in your life, you know, if you can get at least 10 different things on your plate at any one time, then, you know, you're, you're, you're doing well. You know, they, they, they really say that the, the bottom line for gut health is variety, eating lots and lots of different things, little amounts of lots of different things. I, I've always used that with clients, actually. I always say when I'm trying to get them to change, eat the way they eat fruit or even, frankly, add fruit and add uh, re green leaves and things to their diet, I always say that nature hides vitamins in lots of different colours. Mm -hmm. And so I want them to eat lots of different colours of fruit and lots of different colours mm -hmm. of vegetables because that way you also get a better balance of the vitamins and minerals that you're going to get and enzymes as well. So it's the same sort of principle. Absolutely. You know, eat the rainbow and darker colours definitely are uh, where the nutrients are because very often the nutrients are kind of hiding as colours, as pigments. So it's what's giving the food its colour. You know, if, if you take something very simple like mushrooms, for example, the darker the mushroom, the, the more of the beneficial nutrients it will have in it. So the dark portobello mushrooms um, are, you know, very good source of certain B vitamins, they've got traces of selenium in them. And if you leave them in the sunlight on a sunny windowsill for about an hour, they will then synthesize vitamin D through their skin, just like we synthesize vitamin D through our oh, skin. So oh, I never knew that. Yeah, you should always put your, your mushrooms in the sun before you, before you cook them and eat them. It's, it's a really simple trick of getting loads of vitamin D into your diet. So what do I do, for example, when I have clients that will come in and um, people, how do you explain the concept that people find it very difficult to actually absorb nutrients because their guts are so unhealthy? Um, 
and it really, really affects them emotionally because when you, when I know when people are coming in to see me and they've got slightly pot bellied or they've got that rounded feel around their gut and I'm looking at this mm. and I'm thinking, you know, they tend to, people like that tend to be quite more stuck in ways and they find it really hard emotionally to transition to different states. Mm. How, how would you start there? Like if people are listening and they're like, okay, I'm always bloated. Um, I- I, I find one of the easiest ways, and certainly I've done this with members of my family who've been quite resistant, uh, especially the older generation, is to introduce high-strength probiotic supplements as the first thing. So I will look for a, you know, a powder, for example, which is multi-strain. So you, you need to look for something that contains maybe eight to ten different strains of beneficial bacteria. So not just acidophilus, which is the, the common one. Um, and you, these need to be measured in billions, you know, tens of billions. There's a powder that I use, which is maybe 450 billion um, beneficial bacteria in each sachet. So simply by adding that in, and you can sprinkle that on cereal, you can add it into a, a juice, you can just mix it with water if you want to. That very simple step can be quite transform, transformational, and people will... I've, I've never known anybody who started on that journey who hasn't really, literally within 48 hours, began to feel significantly better, both physically and emotionally. And I think once you start to see a change and feel a change, feel better, you kind of start to buy into it. You think, hmm, this is interesting. You know, what else could I be doing? What else could I be taking or eating? Or maybe there is something in this after all. And then just start with, with baby steps. You know, start with a little bit of yogurt, um, start with a little bit of fermented food. You can make sauerkraut so easily. It's just chopped up cabbage and, and veggies fermented in a bit of Oh, and it's water. in your book. It's in your book. It's yeah. got the most wonderful photos and it shows uh-huh. absolutely how easy it is to make it. And it's really clearly done. So it's really interesting that when I look at your book, what I like about it is that you learnt it and you're teaching it from your vantage point of having learnt it which is much better than coming at it from some kind of scientific complicated way yours is really simple you're like this is how i've learnt it this is how i use it bang here you go yeah well i one of the first books i read on gut health a couple of years ago is a little paperback book and it's a great book by a german microbiologist called julia enders and it's just called the gut book and it, you know, it's a massive bestseller and it's really good and she goes through all the sciencey bits as a microbiologist really brilliantly but I found it ended quite abruptly because you, you read it and you think, yes, this is great. I love it. Uh, now what do I do? And, it, you know, I was kind of left hanging thinking, but yes, I buy into this. I, mean, I want to know what can I feed my children? You know, I have five children and they range from their 20s down to their teens, which is a tricky time. And my smallest is uh, seven. So, you know, and, and my husband is very set in his ways about what he wants to eat. So. I was really challenged with how I could then get all these wonderful gut-friendly, gut-healthy ideas that I knew would be good for them as, as a growing family, would, would give them good mental health, good physical health, good immunity, good energy levels, you know, all the things that they need. Um, but if I started presenting them with some kind of vegan, macrobiotic, weird stuff, they, there's just no way that that was going to be <laughs> acceptable. You know, it would be like, oh, mommy's gone off on some mad you know, health fix again. Um, uh, so, you know, I had to make it really family friendly and of course you can rev it up and you can start to make your own kombucha and, 
and do lots of other things. And I think hopefully people will. That's, I just want this message to get out there that, you know, let's start looking at the live food, the cultured food, fermented food. Um, you know, it's interesting, it's rise of, in Polish supermarkets. If you go into now most mainstream supermarkets, there'll be a Polish inspection. And the Poles have been drinking kefir, you know, for, for centuries. And so, of course, when all the Polish people came over to the UK, they wanted to find kefir. So you can find yeah. it on your supermarket shelf. It's, you know, they don't think of it as some kind of weird and wonderful health food. They just see it as like going to buy a pint of milk. You know, they'll go and buy a pot of kefir. So there's, you know, there's very simple ways that we can bring it into everyday usage in our, our everyday life. And if I don't have it now, I absolutely miss it so much. Like my gut, my little gut micro is definitely telling my brain, you know, feed me, <laughs> feed me. You need more of this goodness. It's true. It's actually very true. When we were growing up, because in your, in your standard North Indian Punjabi food, you would have um, freshly homemade yogurt at every meal. Mm-hmm. Um, which, come to think of it, was all your gut health stuff completely there. And also, like, you know, I'm like having been with married to a German for a long time, you know, sauerkraut has always lived in my house in one way or another. And just having it there. Yeah, fantastic. And then you think of all those other things that go with it that are complementary. So things like turmeric, for example is yes. you know really powerful anti-inflammatory it's a prebiotic that's helping to feed the beneficial gut bacteria and you know all these things are coming in from so many different cultures so you you must be you know well on the way even without even trying to, to have a really healthy microbiome and i think you know people need to realize where they are in, in the stage of their journey you know if they are somebody who's had a lot of antibiotics in the past then the chances are that their gut health is has been compromised through that, and so it's really you know to test and see also how you were brought up. You know we know that children who are breastfed, for example, in the first at least the first few weeks, that early breast milk that comes in that contains colostrum is full yeah. of probiotics and things that will line the gut and will set up your immune system literally for the rest of your life. Oh, I never so, knew. That. I didn't understand I, that. Colostrum was. Colostrum is really key. You know, if, if you're a new mum or you're expecting and you're you know, considering breastfeeding, even if you can just do those first few days and weeks, you know, those are the critical ones to get these really special digestive um, bacteria introduced into a newborn. And even the bacteria that, that the baby is exposed to through the normal delivery, if you have a, 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 a vaginal delivery, then you're, the, you release various different kinds of microbes which your baby will be exposed to as it passes down the birth canal. And then now in some hospitals, um, doing swabs of newborn babies if they're born by cesarean section, because obviously they don't then have that. Yeah. So realizing that there is something special that goes on during the, the delivery through the birth canal and that these, this beneficial bacteria that's being released by the mother needs to be passed on um, to help build a strong immune system in, in the child. So all these things now we can begin to unravel as they manifest in later life that may well be linked to some of the big health disorders that we're seeing today. Yeah, no, and then also it's that funny thing that nature really did know best. 
and nature, <laughs> nature did have a reason why you had to go through the birth canal and nature did have a reason why also when you need to go into labor because going into labor triggers all kinds of sort of settling within the process of, I mean, a lot of the work that I did around my son's eczema and asthma and healing his gut and that showed me that when you went into labor, your child built certain immunity within the womb that it didn't have when it was artificially, you artificially came out using a cesarean. So it's, I've, I've always loved understanding that there's so much that our bodies do that we just don't even, we haven't even scraped the surface of it yet, I think. Interesting. And I think this is why they're putting so much time and money and resources into researching gut health. I mean, literally every day, there's some new study that's published, there's some new academic paper. It's so pioneering. Um, They still don't know which varieties of bacteria are doing which things. I I was with um, a top Harvard medic just a few days ago, and we were talking about ruteri, which is one of the beneficial bacteria strains that you can find in various supplements. Which one? And we were uh, ruteri, R E. U C E R I L is a lex buster. And you know, he was saying, Well, I take it. And I was like, Well, why do you take it? Because I take it. I take it because I just instinctively think the more the merrier. Um, and he said, Well, he said there are very interesting studies with this particular strain of bacteria because it's linked to the production of oxytocin, which is the happy hormone, the kind of hug. You know, so that we you know, we, you know you, that hormone occurs around orgasm. It happens when you're breastfeeding. It happens when you hug people, and you get that kind of rush, that brain rush of, of love. You know, that, that kind of surges through, oh. through your brain and feel good. So they're linking this particular form of beneficial bacteria with that brain chemical and that mood and emotion. And I just kind of said jokingly, you know, wouldn't it be amazing if you started to give all violent prisoners Ruteri, you know, as part of their diet, they wouldn't even notice it was going into something, because then you'd go from all this kind of ad- aggression. You know, would they all be, you know, go around hugging each other? You know, how how transformational could we be <laughs> in society here? Let's think big. Let's get everybody um, kind of improving think, their their gut bacteria. Could we start with the teenagers in our houses, please? Because that would be a really great place to start. I'd be I'd be chucking that at them as a starting point. I, Mine are certainly on it, I tell you. (laughs) (laughs) I'm absolutely going to put mine on it. I think we're going to leave and go right with that one. I mean, I used to bribe mine to have a teaspoon of sauerkraut um, because it just, until they kind of got the hang of it, because it just wouldn't, you know. Also, because in my culture, you have this, the the taste of something that is sour. And I find Mm. in in the food that we eat here, there is no sour taste. We don't have that. And it, I, don't, I don't even know the word for it because it's not even sour. It's almost sort of sour stroke bitter. And I, I feel that kimchi and sauerkraut and all that kind of live in that space of sour stroke bitter, which your body, you know, turmeric comes in there. Your body really needs that as a, as a herb, as a flavor. It really needs it for salivary production, for your gut to work, for everything. Yeah, absolutely. And interestingly, you're talking about salivary production, one of the things that I talk about in the book, which I was quite shocked by, is the rise of all these antiseptic mouthwashes because they will knock out all the um, beneficial bacteria that is going on in the mouth. And there's a big part of the digestive process that begins in the mouth with the with saliva, mm-hmm. food. And not all mouthwashes, but some 
um, can really, especially the ones that kind of are prescribed, you know, or used to treat really serious cases of bad breath, for example, will knock out all the bacteria. Well, of course, the bad breath is probably stemming from an imbalance of bad bacteria in the gut anyway. Yeah. So the, yeah. the last thing you want to do is wipe out all your beneficial bacteria. You know, you need to be building that up and promoting better gut health and not just swilling around some um, kind of, you know, really strong material in your mouth that, that is wiping away all the good things as well as the bad. Yeah, and it's also, I, find, I mean, I, I find it very interesting as well. Like, for, for example, I, the way that we also eat and live, I don't really use deodorant, but I, it's funny I, that I don't, I don't smell. I mean, do you, do you use a deodorant? I don't. And uh, um, I, I do have a roll-on, which I use when I go to the gym because I kind of feel a bit, a bit self-conscious. But you're right, actually. In the last few years, I would say that the, my body flora, body chemistry, it probably has changed. Yeah, um, and even, I, 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 I don't think we coming. clock it. No, that is interesting. Yeah, very it, interesting. It, but, but, I mean, there are so many areas. Mm. No, carry on. No, I was just saying that there are so many areas that when you start to unravel gut health, it, of course it's going to help with things like leaky gut and irritable bowel syndrome and yes. food intolerance, absolutely. Um, but you know, for my, my son, for example, who's been lactose intolerant for so long uh, and avoids all dairy products, uh, I've now, through changing his gut health, he is now able to tolerate lactose and dairy products. So, you know, rather than having everybody who's now gluten-free or dairy-free, it's actually, why are you like that? Let's, let's get to grips with sorting out your gut health, and then you can eat what you like. So, it, you know, it's like if you, you, know, you, you keep cutting your hand, let's just not keep applying sticking plasters. Let's actually find a way to stop cutting your hand. Yeah. So, for me, really going back much more fundamentally, um, looking at our health overall, no, I, I'm, I'm with you on that. I'm, but I have noticed that my son, who is dairy, gluten, egg, nut, everything allergic, um, mm. has, has the teeth. Actually, he has, because he doesn't eat any processed food, um, mm. I, I, he has absolutely never needed to wear braces. He has the, the strongest, straightest, whitest teeth in the family. It's really interesting. Whereas, so I've never sort of been that person that wanted to get rid of his milk allergy because I've always thought it was better to just have him eat really, really healthily. But yes, yeah. I can take that on board. <laughs> it has been fantastic. Yeah. Thank you so much for spending the time with me. I, I really, I, I don't want to, you know, if we could keep doing this for, I think, probably another hour. <laughs> I'm, I, I'm so enthusiastic. It's so lovely to have the opportunity to chat. Thank you. Oh, it's such a pleasure because our, our interests dovetail to such an extent. I'm really thrilled actually to have you on and it has been such a pleasure. The website that people can go to um, to find out more about your book and what you do, what, what is your site? So I am LizEarlWellbeing.com. Um, we have a whole section now just on gut health alongside all the other bits and pieces. It's, it's really growing. So do care to visit. Thank you. Yeah, no, fantastic. And Liz Earl is spelled L-I-Z-E-A-R-L-E wellbeing.com. So um, 
my amazing, amazing guest, Liz Earle. Thank you so much for joining me. And it has been great having you guys as an audience. Thank you so much for listening, tuning in, being part of this audience, part of this community. I'm really, really grateful to have you. And this is Living Raw Radio. And my name is Gita Sidhu Rock. Mm-hmm.